Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, you know how you sometimes get this idea that's really in the moment, um, it's relevant, it's topical, it's, uh, it's hopefully useful. Well, over the last week or so, I've been rethinking about um, the idea, I guess, of um, what I would call bulletproofing our property portfolio. And that's, that's been on my mind. I mean, obviously, we're right in the middle right now of uh, a situation where we could do with it being bulletproof. There's a lot of chatter in property circles about, uh, I wish I was more prepared for this coronavirus thing. But um, let's, just, let's just look at this now. I mean, there's things we can do in the short term. There's also things we can do in the long term. So this, this you know, talk today is all about bulletproofing our property portfolio. So this is, this is based on a presentation that I, I actually prepared and will be delivering on Wednesday, the 22nd of April at 1 p.m. on the uh, TPV Live lunchtime Wednesday slot um, for that particular day, which is actually also the same day this goes live. So uh, if you listen to it first thing in the morning, you can still jump on that session. There will be a link to the Zoom call that will be in the show notes. And uh, if you didn't manage that, well, I'm going to try and record the presentation. And so by all means, write in if you want to see a replay and uh, I'll be able to send it to you. But I, I wanted to get this as widely available as possible. So sharing an extract on the podcast, sharing the Zoom presentation. And um, you'll probably, if you follow me on things like LinkedIn, you'll start to see some extracts of this type of uh, story unveiling, I guess. So what I'm going to talk about. Well, you know, there's the, just a quick reminder about the four principles that I've been speaking about recently, um, four principles for now. Um, a little talk about recessions and how they can impact on us as property investors and developers. Um, how can we deal with that? How can, in other words, how can we make our property portfolio bulletproof? And then let's finish on a high, shall we, and look at some opportunities and trends uh, for the future. So just a quick reminder, I, I've covered this on previous uh, episodes, so I'm not going to dive into the detail too much, but too much rather, but uh, for the four principles for now. So they are, number one, look after ourselves and indeed others. So let's not be selfish, let's look out for others as well. Obviously, it's a difficult time uh, for many of us um, and, you know, people. some people on their own, some people are in a difficult spot. I was talking to a business owner the other day who had, I think it was 18 staff and now got four, four left, you know, and, and they were in tears actually as they were relaying this uh, this story. So yeah, people are suffering in different ways. People are suffering for health. People are suffering because of social isolation. People are suffering because of business and economic reasons. So yeah, there's a lot going on. So look out for, look after ourselves and uh, for others too. And in fact, later on, I'm going to talk a little bit about you know, holistic well-being and maybe how we can support support ourselves that way. Two, control that which we can control. So easy to get carried away. I, you know, I've been switching the news off. Um, my, I, I try and catch the news cycle at a different time to my wife and sometimes she'll come in and she'll put the news on and I just get absolutely sick of it. So I'm either insistent that it's turned off or I'll go somewhere else um, because the general media and indeed social media is not always that helpful. 
So um, don't don't let us our minds get uh, buried in that kind of chatter. But let's just focus on what we can control, uh, because we can't trust me. We can't control everything, but what we can control is our mood and our reaction to things. It might not be easy to uh, to do, but it's uh, it might be easy to say, but it's something that we can actually do with practice. The third is to use this time wisely. I've been talking about this quite a lot, and so now's the time to upskill to reach out to people, to look at new directions, perhaps to get some insights from a mentor. So use this time wisely. And ready ourselves for the opportunities ahead. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all, you know, below the line curves. It's it's not all alarmist uh, headlines. There will be opportunities that emerge out of this. So we just need to lift our our sights onto the horizon and see what's ahead of us and uh, look out for those opportunities ahead. And even if we've taken a bit of a knock or even a battering in the short term, there is an opportunity for recovery as well. So let's uh, let's focus and we'll end on, on a high in that way. I did mention holistic well-being. Um, I have kind of t- covered this before, but we should look after our health and our wealth. In fact, arguably, our health is our wealth. So um, it's not just money that I'm, I'm interested in here. It's a holistic you know, outlook. And so that means looking at our physical, mental and emotional health as well as uh, obviously our wealth and so just a bit of a, a, a shout out really if you remember I redesigned the wheel of life uh, I think it was early this year and so uh, I've got a scorecard the wheel of life scorecard if you'd like to see that work through that just evaluate where you are on all of the different measures uh, that's freely available for you so just drop me a line and I'll gladly share that with you now let's just look at um, recessions okay and uh, how, how they can affect us been you know doing a bit of a you know, deep dive into the topic and obviously pandemics is one kind of stimulus for a recession so let's look at what some of those uh, principal causes or main causes of recession could be well there could be high interest rate recessions not in that place now are we so 1973 1980 1990 are, are classic examples of uh, recessions that included high interest rates could be a high inflation uh, recession again, not now. 1973 and 1980 also had high inflation. Notice that, uh, in fact, 1990 didn't have high inflation, and there was a distinction between 1990 and the other two years I mentioned there. So, um, I'm not going to get into that too much right now, maybe for uh, the presentation on the Zoom call, but not for now. Then we've got currency shocks. 1990 was a good example with the European uh, exchange rate mechanism. Uh, and, yeah, and then we've got uh, lack of liquidity or, or what's become known as a credit crunch, 2008. Anybody remember? And then, of course, we've got some uh, regional or global shocks. Uh, I've listed quite a few because I've gone further back in time. We've got 1919, 1930, 1939, 1973, and, and uh, sorry, and now, 2020. So uh, gl- global or regional shocks. In here, we've got pandemics. We've got world wars. We've got oil crises. You know, we've got those big black swan events that no one apparently saw coming. So there's some of the principal causes. Um, what about the impact? So here's some quick headlines. So if it's a high interest rate reflection, re- recession even, then we could have a high cost of borrowing, couldn't we? Um, if it's a high inflation recession, well, there might be a lack of affordability of housing generally in terms of purchase and also rents for our tenants. If it's a, a currency shock, then, well, there could be a, a devaluation of assets that we're, we're looking at. 
There's a lack of liquidity or a credit crunch, the credit crunch rather. It could be a lack of financing altogether. Probably saw that in 2008. A little bit now, but it's improving a little bit. Um, my broker sent me a message today saying that um, whilst there was a sort of temporary uh, reflection, let's say, from the uh, lenders, they're, they're trying to open up again. They're trying to increase loans to values. They're trying to find a way to do desktop valuations. Uh, they're trying to stay open, basically. So it's not the same. It's not the same as 2008. And then we've got these regional global shocks. And um, I guess I'd just say that it's reduced economic activity in general. So to some extent, all of the above things could happen, but for different reasons. I borrowing costs could go up, affordability could be squeezed, uh, assets could be devalued, and there could be a lack of financing. But as I'm going to illustrate, not necessarily for too long, but just hold that thought. Uh, I've got a bit of a graphic in my presentation, which is obviously not going to come out very well on a podcast, but just it's called the quick history of pandemics. And so if, uh, and this is courtesy of Visual Capitalist, uh, uh, which is uh, does, does a lot of good graphical content. And um, what they showed is the history of pandemics over time. And it goes back several hundreds of years. In fact, actually several centuries in fairness. And it positions um, COVID-19 in relation to some of the other major pandemics that we've had in history. Now, of course, the numbers are shocking at the moment. And, you know, if you watch anything about the news, you know, just seeing, I think it's about um, 130, 140,000 people have died globally from, um, from uh, well, COVID-19, um, which, of course, is terrible. Um, but actually, when you put it into the context of history, it's not as massive a deal as it has been in the past, let's say. Now, thankfully, probably all the lockdown measures and the social distancing and the healthcare improvements is helping to keep a lid on the um, on the extremity of this uh, of the impact of this uh, disease that's resulted from this virus. And hopefully, we don't have anything like the, the the bubonic plague, which wiped out two hundred million people. Um, but you can hear a bit about the Spanish flu in a minute. And the Spanish flu, actually, well, I won't tell you all about it now. But the, there's a there's a if you want to get hold of these slides, reach out to me or join the Zoom call and you can get hold of them and you'll see that illustration a little bit more vividly, perhaps. <clears throat> but I wanted to focus on the Spanish flu because we have been here before, i.e. we've been the coronavirus slash COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We have fairly recent history. Uh, and when I say fairly recent history, I mean on the scale, uh, perhaps even more greater scale than we have now. So the Spanish flu is the closest we got to um, COVID-19, as I mentioned. It, was, it came about uh, in 1918, and uh, it was helped to uh, spread uh, across the globe because of uh, migrating soldiers returning from the First World War. And so they picked up some of these nasty viruses and were traveling around the world back home and unfortunately were transmitting the virus uh, at the same time. Now, the death toll is, is you know, cited at somewhere between 40 and 50 million uh, globally, so it was pretty significant. I don't think we're going to get anywhere near that with uh, COVID nineteen, and thank goodness is that's the case. But just to put it in some sort of perspective, that's what that uh, Spanish flu did. Uh, it was it was only a hundred years ago. Now, of course, uh, not many of us are going to remember that. Uh, I think there was one gentleman who did a, a, a hundred laps of his home to uh, raise money for NHS charities who. He won't even remember it because he was just about born, um, but um, he was he was alive around that sort of time. But you know, most of us we won't remember that. 
But here's the thing. It was characterised by what I would call a short, sharp shock. Uh, it did involve lockdown periods for a period of time. Now, some places had stricter measures and faster reaction to lockdown than others, and it did actually make a difference. Uh, those places that locked down sooner, for example, um, saw a quicker recovery. But overall, the approximate time to recover the short, sharp shock, which was deep, um, was two years. So if you compare that to the 1990s recession, for example, there was a whole decade, really, of recovery from, uh, from a recession. So two years to recover what might be probably, from an economic point of view, 20 to 30% drop in GDP over a quarter or a half-year period, put that in perspective, because I've seen some newspaper headlines putting scary numbers out there, that would be a sort of a quarterly result or potentially pushing up towards a half-year result, maybe not up to the 30% over the half-year, maybe a lot more like 15% to 20% over the half-year and, you know, short, sharp shock over a quarter. So a sense of perspective, but there was a pretty, you know, quick recovery after the Spanish flu, and that's what I'm pegging my sort of views on is effectively what happened in the last major global pandemic, Spanish flu, as opposed to um, what happened with the global financial crisis, for example. So, um, and the other good piece of good news really is from what I can understand, asset prices seem to bear up quite well. Now, there was, a, there was a difference in Spanish flu and COVID-19 in terms of who it affected. I'm not going to get into that too much in this podcast episode, but if you want to hear more, that'll be in the, in the Zoom call. So that's the, a little bit on, on the pandemic side, but just, you know, put, coming up a little bit to look at some of the common threats to our property portfolio, generally speaking, as a result of recessionary pressures. So I've cited the top five, if you like, which are um, high levels of gearing, uh, a low net cash flow, exposure to sudden interest rate rises, lack of tenant demand and house price crashes. Now, we may not see all of those now. As I mentioned earlier, different recessions have different characteristics. I'm just really listing some of the common threats to our portfolio. And because I'm talking about bulletproofing our portfolio, of course, we want to make it bulletproof against different types of recession, which have different characteristics and therefore affect us in different ways too. So there's some of the common threats. And in terms of you know the, the primary defences, I'm listing primary and secondary defences. I'll talk about primary defences on the podcast I'll expand into secondary defences, which goes into a bit more granularity or detail uh, on the Zoom call. Uh, so you want to see the secondary defences tune into the Zoom call, in other words. So primary defences. So if we've got, if there's high levels of gearing, if we have high levels of gearing, the obvious antidote to that is to try and reduce our debt levels. Uh, now we can reduce our debt levels in a number of different ways. What I mean by that is we can do, we can do look at it on an average basis, and so each asset has a loan to value and that's relatively consistent we can mix and match across the portfolio and indeed that's my approach so i have some assets with zero debt for example i have other assets with you know modest to medium levels of debt and i have some assets which have been recently um you know added value to and refinanced and they've got a you know relatively high level of debt the average overall is pretty comfortable but i've got some at the medium to higher end and i've got some at the well low to zero end so reducing debt levels is one. The antidote to low negative, uh, sorry, low net cash flow is to invest for yield or more, more importantly, income. Uh, yield is a clue. Net income is actually the answer um, that we should aim for. So don't just be blinded by gross yield. 
um, you know, net yield or, or return on cash investment is actually a better measure, I would suggest. So a lot of people in the past have looked at capital growth, but you know, if we've got house prices crashing around our ears, that's not much use to us, is it? So income is, you know, or cash, as they say, is king. Exposure to sudden interest rate rises, well, you know, fixed rates for long. So personally, I try after I've refinanced a, uh, say, a, a BRR style project or build to rent style project, I try and fix for five years or more. Um, it's hard to necessarily get the most competitive product going beyond five years, but five years, I think it brings some stability to my portfolio. If interest rates do drop, which technically they have in recent times, yeah, maybe I'm losing out. But I, you know, for me, it's, it's more of an insurance. So I personally prefer to fix rates for long term. So this is to protect us against sudden interest rate rises, remember. Now, I'm not really forecasting that at the moment. I wouldn't really make any sense, i.e. sudden interest rate rise. We're going to see more of the opposite. Um, so it's not necessarily directly relevant today. But generally speaking, it, this is I'm talking about bulletproofing our, our portfolio, of course, in, in general terms. If we've got lack of tenant demand, well, yes, we probably have, regardless of strategy. We might have reduced tenant demand or at least reduced affordability uh, from some tenants at the moment. You know, people have been laid off, for example, or even furloughed or have been asked to take pay cuts, pay deferrals, etc. Zero hours contracts are not working, all of the above. Um, well, look at our look at our assets, uh, individual assets, i.e. our properties, and look at multiple uses or multiple exits. There are a variety of ways that we could repurpose our properties, and there are a variety of ways in which we could exit. I'm not going to get too much into the detail because it's not really for the you know for this type of forum. Again, uh, come on the Zoom call. You can ask me questions about that, and I'll share my views. And if this house price crashes, uh, maybe crash is a strong word. Uh, correction or softening of prices might be a, a better phrase. I'm, I'm expecting some softening in the short term of house prices in the UK, uh, but not a crash as such. Depends what your definition of a crash is. I think a stock market crash is defined as a 20% reduction. I'm not. I don't think I'm seeing that sort of reduction. I've definitely seen a, a lack of uh, transaction volumes, but not necessarily pr radical or drastic price reduction. But the hedges really to that are, um, again, long-term fixed rate. And, and why is that relevant? Because um, what, what some lenders have is a minimum loan-to-value um, clause in their loan agreement. If you don't believe me, just look at some of the ones you've got to see if there's anything buried in the small print. And then the other thing is liquidity. So um, cash is king. Again, get liquidity meaning you know, access to short-term funding um, or um, facilities that you could call upon in a time of need. So they're the main uh, defences, if you like. I mentioned in the um, presentation secondary defences, which I go into a bit more detail, but I won't cover that here. Um, also wanted to really talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, I'm going to skip the next slide, which talks about decision-making and, and whatnot, but I really wanted to get into just, just to touch on, really, um, I've got the twenty. I've got a twenty-point checklist on how to bulletproof your portfolio. I'm just going to sort of sample a number of those, particularly for the short term. So there's some there's some fairly um, unsexy uh, and less obvious uh, things that we can do. So for example, stay up to date with our management accounts at least monthly. Um, do a rent and bank reconciliations and a cash flow forecast. Again, that sort of frequency. Make sure we've enhanced our rent collection and void procedures. So there's a couple there. 
Uh, build that personal liquidity buffer. Check those terms and conditions, like I just mentioned, with the loan to value. Uh, you know, potentially assess each property for uh, repurposing. Review our alternative exit options. So, for example, I had a property that went void and I've decided not to re-let it, but to sell it. Um, I've had some short-term uh, accommodation, service accommodation, go empty or, or you know, uh, just a falling off the cliff, really, of bookings in the short term. And I'm repurposing to sort of a short-term, mid-term let or mid-term, short-term let, whichever way you want to put it around. Um, claim any payment holidays, grants and taxes that are open and available to you. Uh, one word of caution on payment holidays. Uh, my broker circulated a, a note today saying that some lenders might prejudice us in the future. So whilst there may not be a detrimental effect on our credit file as a result of a payment holiday, mortgage payment holiday I'm talking about here, um, there could be a prejudice view towards us refinancing with that same, that same lender or a new finance application with that same lender. Uh, each lender will have their own policies, so it's not it's not a blanket approach. So just be careful about that. Uh, probably actually wise to have a chat with your broker, unlike me, um, but have a chat with your broker before you take action. But generally speaking, try and claim all that's due to you is the um, summary. Defer or ditch non-essential expenditure and do an insurances assessment. There's various types of insurance that we have available. Um, there's a number of empty properties at the moment which could be vulnerable. Um, there could be uh, risks that we need to protect at this point in time. There could be tenant insurances which would you know, pay for rent arrears during this point in time as well. So there's the top 10, if you like, or the short-term 10. There's an additional 10 uh, medium to longer term that uh, I've also shared in the presentation, but I don't, don't plan to go through that in terms of the podcast today. But I did say I wanted to finish on a high, didn't I? So uh, there's some potential opportunities. So it's not all doom and gloom. Because bulletproofing our portfolio is precisely to be defensive and, and stabilise our position first and foremost. If we don't have a stable footing, we can't move forward. We can't spring forward and take advantage of opportunities. So it's only right and proper that we try and do things correctly. And that's the point of everything I've been talking about until now. But have we got, if we've got all of this in place, or if we're in a privileged position, for example, we're sitting on cash or access to financing in, in various ways, capital in various ways, then there's a number of opportunities that might be open to us. So very first and obvious one is that there might be an opportunity to buy at a discount at the moment. Um, you know, people who need to people who are selling at the moment may need to sell. And maybe, you know, it's very difficult to actually sell to complete a transaction. So if you're sitting on cash and you're ready to execute, that means that perhaps you can take a view on whether you have a viewing, maybe on a, a survey, and maybe with the legal, the, de the detail of the legals, you should be able to negotiate a, let's say, a few points of discount for each and every one of those particular elements to drive a good, uh, drive a good deal at this point in time. So yes, cash talks, and, and so it's quasi-cash. And what do I mean by quasi-cash? Perhaps bridging finance, perhaps personal, uh, personal lending, etc. that can come out. I'm going to touch on the sort of alternative financing in a second, so I won't dwell on that. Then we've got some emerging trends, and I kind of touched on this a bit, didn't I, last week. So we've got remote or home working as a trend. We've got prop tech, um, which would be virtual, online, AI, etc. We've got the need for personal space now. It's funny, I was talking to someone about service accommodation and there's like two schools of thought here. There's people who want to get out of service accommodation because they've been completely spooked 
by, by what's gone on. And of course, you know, with bookings falling off a cliff for two or three months, it's understandable. But on the other hand, if you look at it differently, people who would travel for maybe they have to travel, say for business reasons, let alone leisure reasons, and maybe they prefer a bit of personal space now instead of going into one of these large hotels where there's all sorts of people and things milling around in the atmosphere. So a bit of personal space, service accommodation could actually um, be quite a surprising one. I think that one might bounce back. And then, of course, we've got the sort of health, well-being and sustainability agenda. I don't know about you, but it's just great to see the lack of pollution um, that is evident. We're seeing wildlife and birds, you know, in, in it coming back. Uh, into our environments um, so I don't know how long that's going to stay for I hope it does but it's a, it's a trend what am I saying here it's just look out for these trends I don't really I'm not necessarily prescribing solutions maybe apart from the personal space service accommodation one um, but uh, you know I think it's a case of watching the trends seeing what we can do then we've got if you like the rise in alternative financing now as institutional lending squeezes down a bit you know, hunkers down a bit, maybe reduces loan to values, maybe reduces the criteria, maybe reduces the number of products that are available, for example, or extends the time period or extends, the, you know, the criteria, you know, to qualify. It's probably going to give rise, in my opinion, to alternative forms of financing, such as crowdfunding, peer-to-peer. Now, these are not new. They're just not mass, you know, mass market yet. And then we've got SaaS providers. I've sat on a few SaaS uh, calls recently. SaaS is a small, small self-administered scheme, pension scheme. And the average um, SaaS trustee is sitting on 300,000 as a fund as a, as a fund to invest. So they, want, they need to get a return on their investment. Then we've got family offices or family funds, family trusts, private or joint venture finance, cryptocurrency and the blockchain, if you like. Some of that is very emerging, I realise. But I think there's going to be a rise in these alternative financing methods. So it's another trend, but it's also a, an opportunity for us. So don't necessarily think, I can't get access to funding because ABC Bank is no longer, longer lending. There are alternatives, and so signposting you to some of those. And then, of course, we've got different types of partnering model. So um, I'm talking about a commercial arrangement here. So in, in times where the market is stuck, you know, we need to be a bit more creative. So vendor and owner financing can, could come back into vogue right now. The use of options could emerge once again, not just land options, but property options too. Assisted sale, same sort of thing. Joint venture rental models and so on. So just there's going to be opportunities to partner in a more creative way just because of where we're at right now. So uh, look out for those opportunities and be ready. I think that is probably my watchword, be ready um, to take advantage. Uh, obviously, be ready to um, bulletproof your portfolio, but once that's bulletproof, be ready then to capitalise on the opportunities. And maybe here's a thought, that go back to something I maybe alluded to earlier. Even if we've been blighted a little bit in the short term because of this COVID-19 situation, let's call it that, the, the years ahead provide an opportunity for us to recover. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's just, you know, I, I really want to stress, you know, I think in, in stock market crashes in the 30s or people jumping off buildings. Um, now, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, how do I put this? I'm not trying to downplay mental health issues by making a comment like that. What I am trying to say is that there's a, there's a future. 
there's a future ahead of us. And even if maybe things are difficult right now, um, you know, I've been through difficult times before. I'm going through some challenges right now, in, you know, just trying to juggle all the different things in my own portfolio, particularly development side of things and the service combination side of things. But there's a future out there. So uh, in other words, an opportunity to turn it around, an opportunity to grow again. So um, that's it, really. Um, I think there's a call to action in my presentation, um, a copy of the slides. Um, I've got a bunch of giveaways, which I've, I've mentioned the personal balance scorecard or the wheel of life, um, which you can re you know, reach out and have um, as well. There's, um, yeah, there's a couple other ones. I'm not going to dwell into it too much. You probably picked it up as I went along. And there's a few extra ones. If you've managed to listen to the present or watch the presentation on Zoom, including the replay, there's other offers, if you like, I'm going to put out there for people who actually invested that time. Um, so look out for it, in other words. Join in the Zoom call at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, uh, the 22nd of April. Uh, links in the show notes. And if you don't, can't watch it live, um, try and get hold of the replay. Uh, you probably have to contact me, podcast at propertyvoice.net to get hold of that. But um, there we go. That's on my very much on my mind and very much in my heart at the moment to share this. Um, probably see me splatter all over social media, obviously with the Zoom call, um, with the podcast today. I might repurpose this sort of content in different ways because I think it's really, really important. And in fact, actually, I, I think, you know, well, I'm not going to go too far into this, but I, I think sometimes the bad times are what make and shape us. Um, so don't be too disheartened. There are opportunities ahead. One, one final one. There's um, the magazine article that I write for YPN uh, each month. This week focuses on coronavirus, and it, it talks about learning from the past and looking ahead to the future. So if you want a copy of that, that's, that's also, you can just write to me, podcast at propertyvoice.net. I'll gladly share uh, a copy of that. It's going to print any, well, it's going to print towards the end of the month, so slightly ahead of publication date but yeah you can have access to that freely so that just gives a bit more color uh, and context around some of the things i spoke about earlier in the presentation uh, i shared today but there you go hopefully that's uh, been useful for you um by all means contact me if you want any resources but look at the show notes on the on the website which is uh, the propertyvoice.net if you want to talk about anything from today's show or property generally, or indeed to find out about me, my 30-day uh, property jumpstart program, uh, just can reach out to me, podcast at propertyvoice.net. I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Um, the I guess all that remains to be said, I think, if I've covered all of the bases, I think I have, is thanks very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's Jaja. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.